Hello everyone and welcome to today's instalment of Beyond the Mask. In this episode today, we're going to be diving into a forgotten, dark and disturbing moment which took place following Michael Myers' initial arrest when he was 6 years old. The moment I'm talking about was a brutal killing spree that took place at Smith's Grove during Michael's incarceration back in 1964 and was the overall confirmation Dr Samuel Loomis needed to affirm that Michael was evil through and through. Dr Loomis was completely disgusted and traumatised by the events that took place that he lost himself in a rage, resulting in his assessment of Michael drawing to a swift close. We aren't aware of Michael's life inside of Smith's Grove following his sentencing, but an unofficial comic book provides us with further insight into the events during Dr Loomis's assessment of Michael during that time. So what happened at Smith's Grove in 1964? What did Michael do that was so dark and disturbing that led Dr Loomis to assert his belief that Michael was pure evil? Sit back and chill as I talk you guys through the very first killing spree committed by Michael Myers in 1964. Following the murder of his sister Judith Myers, Michael was arrested and eventually sentenced to spend his life in Smith's Grove under the assessment of Dr Sam Loomis. The state believed there may be some resemblance of a child in Michael and they hoped to rehabilitate him into the world once again. The doctors also wanted to understand Michael, understand how a six year old could commit such a horrific act of murder. Michael hadn't spoken a word since his sister's death which made assessing him hard for Dr Loomis. Most of this knowledge is taken directly from Dr Loomis's diary. He writes, I'll never forget my first session with Michael. They were right. It seemed there was nothing left of the boy. Michael may have brutally murdered his sister, but Smith's Grove was no place for a seven-year-old boy. It took a week. He remained as silent as the grave, but I believed it was a breakthrough. Draw whatever you like, Michael, said Dr. Loomis. Of course, I didn't realise it was a sign of things to come. Terrible things. During this moment, Dr. Loomis became distracted by a phone call as Michael began scribbling away, drawing, imagining. Upon inspection, Loomis focused his attention on the drawing, a disturbing, startling discovery. I was foolish, naive, I was both disturbed and delighted. This was the first indication Michael acknowledged he knew what he had done, wrote Dr. Loomis. Perhaps I could prove he wasn't insane. Would you like to talk about the picture, Michael? Is there something you want to tell me? Asked Loomis in the hopes of getting some kind of response from Michael. Michael, of course, didn't respond. Just staring blankly, emotionless, into nothing. The youth centre at Smith's Grove was filled with delinquent children all of whom had committed different crimes, some ranging from severe, others not so much. It was here in this youth centre that Michael's first official killing spree would take place at just a young age 
of seven. Incident number one. It's safe to say Michael didn't fit in with his fellow inmates all that well. One particular night, one of the inmates, a fellow serial killer named Tony O'Malley, attempted to mock Michael inside his cell. An attempt which had life-altering repercussions. I'll make you talk, Myers. I'll make you cry like a little girl, mocked Tony. An almighty yell swept through the centre. Alarms went off. Wardens rushed to the scene. Tony had been stabbed in the eye with a crayon. The incident led Tony losing his sight in that particular eye. The crime was blamed on another boy, one who was deemed criminally insane before Michael had even arrived there. Dr. Loomis, however, suspected Michael. Incident number two. The second incident occurred on Michael's birthday. As few of the kids celebrated Michael's birthday, one of the teenagers, Adrian, who was diagnosed with a severe eating disorder, proceeded to obsessively eat Michael's cake before Michael had a chance to fully see it. He was reprimanded by the warden in charge, but Michael felt this punishment wasn't enough. Adrian took a shower as he sung to himself. The temperature abruptly rose, yelling, screaming in pain as the warm, hot water melted his flesh to expose living tissue. Stood beside the temperature control panel was seven-year-old Michael Myers. Adrian's wounds were treated, but his whole body was damaged, burnt, scalded. Eventually, he died. An autopsy revealed no health problems. His heart just stopped, wrote Loomis. Incident number three. The third incident took place at a Halloween party that the staff at Smith's Grove threw for the kids. Dressed in costumes, Michael stood lifeless. As the kids playfully played and sang, Michael stalked, observed a fellow inmate dressed as a witch. Haha, Michael's got cooties, odd man out, she mocked playfully. A blank expression, Michael didn't respond. The witch proceeded to take part in the apple bobbing contest. It was in that moment the power went out at Smith's Grove. Panic ensued as staff attempted to regain control. As the power returned, the warden and the nurse in charge were greeted with a dark, disturbing sight. The witch's body floated inside the apple barrel, lifeless, dead. She had been drowned. Michael was nowhere near her at the time, but Loomis knew. He knew the truth. How did you do it? You are the devil, shouted Loomis. Incident number four. Dr. Loomis worked closely with an orderly by the name of Jennifer. One night, when she checked on the kids, she felt eyes on her, stalking from a distance. She wasn't sure why, but she felt unnerved. Down a corridor stood Michael. Michael? she asked. 
the shape began moving toward her. Uneasy, she ran, aware that something was wrong. But she wasn't seen again. Her death remained a mystery. The only thing that was declared was that she fell from a great height and was potentially suicidal. Loomis, however, knew the truth. The devastating reality of these incidents all but increases Dr. Loomis's raging war with the state and the owner of Smith's Grove. Michael had gone on this vicious spree, attacking and murdering different people. Yet, it was only following Jennifer's death that action was taken. Michael was eventually kept out of sight, reach of anyone around. His only visitor was Dr. Loomis. He seemed to enter a more dormant state than before. Continuously stirring, waiting. Michael would kill again, but the next time would be out there. The next time would be 1978. And that's it for this video. I hope this has helped provide you guys with a clear breakdown of Michael's first killing spree when he was just 7 years old and also shown some clear examples of why Dr Loomis made the assessment and conclusion he did when finalising his opinion on Michael. If you enjoy this content, don't forget to like, share and subscribe. I will see you guys in the next video. And never forget, I knew I couldn't send him to hell, because hell would not have him.